I didn't have the budget to practice or anything. I was just trying to network, trying to reach out to potential sponsors to figure it out for 2021. Because yeah, I don't know, I was training, I was doing that, but I really didn't know, again, if I would race again, it was really a weird period in my life. And I was actually studying for my real estate license, because that's something I'd always loved. If I wasn't in racing, I'd probably be in real estate. So then I then I realized I was like, no, I need to be putting all my energy into doing my passion. And so I didn't, I stopped with the real estate, I really put all my passion into continuing to build my social media brand. And hopefully that would help secure sponsorship. You're listening to Hawk Talk, a podcast all about the origin stories of the most interesting people in the world. Today, you know our guests as famous athletes, authors, and entrepreneurs, but there's so much more to this story. Let's get into today's interview with your host, Eric Huberman. All right, you're listening to Hawk Talk. I'm here today with Lindsay Brewer. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming. So, got to take it all the way back. I assume, like, you're born, you grab like a hospital car and start racing down the hall, like just a born <laughs> racer, right? <laughs> yes, totally. Well, I'm from Colorado originally, Arvada, Colorado. So it's kind of a suburb outside of Denver, not a small town, but not a big one either. So being from Colorado, I always grew up snowmobiling, four wheeling, all that kind of fun stuff with my family. Yeah. My family was never into racing, like they never had a racing background, but we always Grew up with toys, I guess you call them. I think I got on my first snowmobile when I was three years old. So a lot of fun. I used to sit on the front of my mom's, like when she was driving the jet ski and I'd be two years old and I'd push her thumb to make it go faster. So (laughs) I've always had a need for speed, uh, Um, for sure. (laughs) Where did that come from? Like the confidence, like were your parents just always supportive? And so like you just felt safe no matter how fast you were going kind of thing? Yeah, I think just I always had this daredevil inside me. I don't know. I I think you either have it or you don't when it comes to actual enjoyment of speed, because that's just not really something you can learn. Just that, that I guess, fire, I would call it, that burns. You know, I I just enjoy speed. It's just something I love. So when I went to a birthday party at a go-kart track when I was 11, I absolutely fell in love with go-karting. It was so much fun. I ended up beating all the adults and all the little boys driving. So it was really cool. The owner of the track went up to my dad and he was like, dang, she's actually really good. You should consider getting her her own car and have her race. We have this regional series that we run. And so that's kind of how it started. And I ended up winning the regional championship my first year. And I guess that's just the way it started for my racing. And I mean, do you attribute that to like you started with this? Like you obviously were on, as you said, jet ski snowmobiles at two, three years old. Was it just that you had years experience, nine years experience at 11 that you already were very comfortable where a lot of people wouldn't normally. I think I never was scared of speed. And I also, yeah, considering I drove snowmobiles, four wheels, all that stuff, I kind of already got a little, the hang of the hand-eye coordination turning, you know, when to anticipate the corner, stuff like that, I think. But go-karting was quite a bit different than any of those sports because obviously when you're on in the snow or on waves, you can't really predict the surface as well as when you're on asphalt. So yeah. to me, I actually, it's so funny. I attribute some of my racing, um, I guess, success early on. I, I used to say, they were like, how are you so good? You know, at a young age, I'm like, oh, I played a lot of Mario Kart growing up. And I was serious. I wasn't even joking. No, it's serious. fair. Yeah. <laughs> and it really helped, honestly, when I was a little kid, I was like, okay, I'm supposed to pass this guy going in the corner. And I don't know. I just kind of thought that was how it started. You accelerate through the turn, all that. You got to know that for Mario Kart too. I get it. <laughs> and <laughs> and so, okay, so you're 11. Sorry. You say so you're 11, you go to this birthday party and then a guy encourages your dad and through your dad literally went out, bought a go-kart was like, all right, we're doing this. 
Yeah, exactly. I was really thankful to my parents for supporting me with that because, yeah, my dad, again, always loved having toys around, boats, snowmobiles, stuff like that. So he's like, oh, go-karting, sick. Let's jump into it. So he bought one for himself and then he bought one for me. He just awesome. played, like drove it for fun, like stuff yeah. like that. But I ended up, I won my very first race. It was a local race at the car track, but that's really when we're like, okay, let's do this. So we were with a team. We paid the team and traveled with them. And so I started... I started in Minimax, they call it, which was when I was 11 to 13. And then I did Rotax Junior, which was this also single speed cart. And then I jumped up to shifter carts, which, which was a huge jump. And I raced against yeah. full grown men at that point when I was like 15 years old. So I would say that was probably my largest step up, uh, in karting. And I was racing nationally doing super nats, scusa, all that. So definitely a bigger full-time commitment. I had to be homeschooled partially. I was going to ask. So this pulled you out of school and everything. Well, partially I took some on, we were able to find ways to, um, take online classes to where I only had to go in class on, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I had Monday and Friday off. So I was able to do the long weekends and travel for that, which was very helpful, but it was a full-time, full-time thing. And we took it very seriously. My parents, again, so thankful to them because they put a lot of their time and money and and effort into it. But yeah, yeah, it was really cool. And where were your, like, what was your thoughts at? you know, 13, 14, 15, as you start to really step it up, as you said, into shifter cards, taking this seriously, taking time off school, was this like, this is my passion and my calling, and I'm going to pursue this for the rest of my life or for the foreseeable future? Was like, this is fun while I'm a kid. I'm gonna, like, how did you think about it? Oh, I always knew this is what I want to do the rest of my life. Like, I always felt super grateful that I had found my passion early on. And it was unfortunate because obviously racing is a very expensive sport. So my parents were no longer able to fund me when I was around 17 going into cars. I started testing USF 2000 and I raced legend cars and they told me they're like, you know, it's just gets, it's getting too expensive. You need to find sponsorships. So what is most people I don't think understand, like what is the cost of that level of on an annual basis? The USF 2000 level was about at that time, 300,000 a year. So for mm-hmm. my parents, obviously, that just yeah, it's a lot out of pocket for, money, you know, and just liquid money you have to throw away. And so yeah. it, it, it's just something that they weren't able to do. So I actually had to take three and a half, four years off of racing. I went to college. They wanted me to go to college, which I was huh? really nice. looking back. I'm really grateful I did that because I got a business degree. I went to San Diego State University. So I felt like I learned about, a lot about myself. I learned about, about business, uh, interpersonal skills. So I don't regret going to college, but then once I graduated, I was able to get back in a car again. And I feel like all the kids who were at my level in high school were now at the top levels of IndyCar. And I kind of had to start at the lower levels of the sport still. So I'm playing a little bit of catch up, but I'm, I think everyone's journey is different in racing and I'm I'm grateful for the journey I've been on. Well, long-term, like (laughs) just to make it, I just saw an article about like Lewis Hamilton bought a $50 million condo in New York and then never saw it (laughs) and then sold it. Like, it's like, I, I think he did fine, but in general, like having a business mind when things start to go well can help a lot. Like that's, for sure. yeah, for sure. I think business racing has a lot to do with business. You're dealing with large sums of money. You're dealing with companies. You're dealing with the teams, and it's just a good idea to have a good sense of what's going on in the business side. And and honestly, a lot of getting sponsorship is creating those business to business connections. Uh, creating value for everyone. So I think it was really important for me to learn all that. And I'm still learning, of course, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. 
I think we're always all learning on the, so um, to take a step back on the sort of step up into, you know, shifter cars and getting, so you were how old at that point? 15? Yeah, 15. And I raced for three years. So I was 17, like 15, 16 and 17. So when I was 17, I went to a skip barber racing school program, which is kind of like your transition. When you're transitioning into cars, you go to one of these racing schools to get your SCCA license. And skip barber was always the one that was recommended to me by my peers. And so I went to this and drove open wheel cars for the first time and I had a sponsor scout me out there and I was beating all the guys there and so they were like who's this girl so I was scouted there and he was able to provide some funding for a couple USF tests but then that didn't end up working out they had some financial issues as well so yeah it's just hard it's always a game we're trying to get the money for the racing it's always a struggle well that's I think what a lot of people miss about the sport is you've got the I actually don't know the head count but the you know the people that are in F1 that everybody knows these few people's names yeah, money. Yeah, thank you. And so yeah, how, how many drivers are actually competing across the world that all need the same kind of level of, you know, sponsorship really? that aren't getting the attention that are, are hoping to get to that point? So totally. There's totally different levels of racing. Formula One's the pinnacle. There's right. IndyCar is the best, the pinnacle of racing in the United States. So there are more seats available, but a lot of them, you know, the top, top level, there's only 20 drivers, which is crazy considering in the NBA, the Think of like the NFL, NBA, all these other sports. Yeah. There's so many people in it. It's just definitely harder to get to that top, top step. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. And so again, when you so when you stepped into this new thing with shifter cars, and I want to get into anyone into cars <laughs> as well. How was that as a 15 year old? You said grown men, grown women, like you're racing against people that have been doing this for as long as you've been alive. And yeah. like, did you excel right away? Was there challenges at first? Was it weird to get used to? Like, how was that? <laughs> So I was the only girl, there was one other girl that was in, uh, and I had known her well. She was like an older sister to me. She's still in racing right now. Uh, her name's Sabra. So it was just her and I, and then the rest were men and they were like adult men. So we were just like, this is crazy. Uh, I wasn't fully developed physically. So I'm this tiny, I think I weighed about 90 pounds at the time. And shifter carts, if you've ever driven one, they are so physical. Formula yeah. One drivers jump into them to do their training because it's just such a physical um, cart to drive. And so I struggled physically a lot when I jumped up to shifter carts and uh, I just had to, I took my commitment way more seriously. I I was like, okay, I need to really step it up. So I was missing proms, homecomings, like all the fun stuff you have in high school. I still got to experience like some of it, but I definitely was like, okay, we need to really buckle down and commit to this because this is Uh what I want to do. And so I just felt like it was a completely new level when I jumped up. And of course, it was difficult at first, but then I started my second and third year putting down great results. I won a regional championship in shifter cards and placing top 10 nationally at Supernats. So that was really cool. So you got yeah. this, so it took you about a year to start getting that practice and get into it. And so I, I just did my rookie year and I know we'll get to that, but in my first professional open wheel series, I just did the rookie year, which I think it went well. I did how I did better than what I expected, but I still was struggling physically with the car. It was crazy. So now that I'm doing this other open, the same open wheel series for a second year in a row, I think I'll really be on it. Nice. Good results. Yeah. That's so standard, like going into (laughs) any new sport of any kind, like it just takes getting used to that level. Like it's like all the college, you know, top college athletes and then step into pros. It's like, yeah, very few show up really well in their first year. 
Totally, totally. And again, I'm the only woman in Road to Indie right now, hoping this another girl goes into Indie Lights next year. I think she might. And so then they'll just be us. And so it's just so physical for me because there's no power steering in these cars. And so I, I've been training a lot. And I think, yeah, it's just off-season training is very important too. And just keep, keep So on that, I, I just got to ask, what does that training look like when it comes to like, obviously overall physical fitness is huge. I mean, I remember what's the, is it Perez? Yeah, Perez last year at Austin. <laughs> his water broke water? And like it was yeah and it was like 104 degrees like it people don't understand i know you're driving a car and it's got an engine but like the actual physical uh oh stress on the person is insane the g-force everything exactly it's so annoying when people are like oh you're just turning the wheel it's like no the actual g-force is in that car like it's the most physical sport i've ever done and yep. a lot of drivers would agree especially indy car which is what i want to do i want to do the indy 500 there's no power steering the g-forces you pull like there's so much downforce in the car Yep. So that it's, it's suctions to the, you know, the ground and you're able to pull to go fast through the corners. So there's so many G forces, no power steering. So I, it's just, you're muscling that wheel through, through the corners going, you know, 120 miles an hour. It's really difficult to do that. So I have to obviously just normal. I have a personal trainer, normal physical mm-hmm. fitness. There's certain workouts you do to work the muscle groups that you need for racing. I also have my simulator back here. You can see, yeah, nice. yeah. which is good just to learn the tracks and just get more of a rhythm, just some practice. And then nothing beats seat time though. Like getting in the car and practicing is the most important thing. Obviously it's, it's so expensive to run the car that, so yeah. you only, if you're lucky, you'll get 15 to 20 days off season driving the car. You can't just go out in the backyard and practice. So yeah. super expensive to run the car and for the team. Yeah. So I think just seat time is the most important training. If you have the budget, that's that's definitely an advantage. And then getting in a shifter cart. I, I'm buying a shifter cart here in the next week or two, nice. which, will, which will be really nice. All my carts from high school are back in Colorado still. And they're kind of like relics at this point. My dad keeps them in his in his shop. I'm like, okay, you know, they're cool to look at. They're The engines, you know, it's not going to be competitive cart anymore. But, so but still, like, that's awesome. Like the <laughs> fact that your family's so supportive of it too, like it just goes all the way. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I am curious. Are there any like unique exercises you do to like get that strength up to turn the wheel? Like, are you doing things or is it like pretty standard training? <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. Like I was just looking at a weight over here. I use like yeah. you hold out a weight and you, you or a plate and you turn the wheel. That really helps work yeah. these muscle groups. And there's neck exercises you can do that. You look really funny at the gym. You're like, pushing your head against this thing. There's there's just funny exercises that you only a race car driver would do. So people yep. look at me like, what is she doing? Why is she working <laughs> at her neck? But it's yeah. it's fun, funny. There's I also work with this uh gym called Pit Fit, which is specifically meant for race car drivers. So yep. I have this app because I don't live in Indy. So I work out using the app and they have specific exercises, which are nice. A lot of it's just I just struggle with my arm strength. Like I have good endurance and my legs are strong. It's just my pure like arm strength to turn the wheel. Yeah. But we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> That's awesome. And okay. So now going back to uh, stepping into, you know, cars from carts. How was that? You said you did a couple trials. You got a sponsor for the first bit that yeah. felt and That's when you went to college, right? Yeah. So I uh, did the USF 2000 test and then I met, uh, someone who helped sponsor for a couple for the, uh, it's called legend cars. They're these funny looking cars. You have to look them up. And it, a lot of the times NASCAR drivers will start from there. And yeah. I ended up winning the championship. It was the 2015, uh, winter championship in that in legend cars it was in Vegas. So that was really fun. And I think that was kind of my last racing I did before again, financial situations arrived and yeah. they weren't able to support me anymore. So. I ended up, yeah, full-time going to school. And it's just hard when you 
are a full-time student. You're, you aren't able to fly to all these events and network and try to yeah. like find sponsors. And then my family was ever in racing in general, besides just go-karting. So they never could really help me find sponsorship. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had to do it all on my own. I, I grew my social media in college through, yeah. I guess, so, like I'm modeling. Go there too. Yeah. You, you, how do you do that? I'm curious. Like, Cause you ended up becoming this, you know, not just a top race carter, but an influencer too. Like how was that? How did you build well, that out? Where did that come from? It was cool because I was able to, I think I lived in San Diego. I was with my girlfriends. We were at the beach. So I was taking photos with them and, uh, that was 2015, 2016 when Instagram was still relatively like it was really growing at that f- point. Like, so I felt like I was in a right place at the right time and I would post photos. So they would hit the explore page, blow up. And uh, I was getting reposted on pages like Barstool and Total Frat Move and kind of like those accounts, college yep. accounts. And so I grew a base following from that, which was cool just because I would especially I would be around some cars as well. So just like. I grew up falling in college from there, but it kind of sucks because I wasn't really known for my racing. I was Lindsay Brewer, the influencer, the model. I would post, I would post photos with my friends at the beach. So yeah. being a bikini. So I think to be known for that was always difficult for me. You know, I was grateful for the following, but I'm like, I'm a race car driver. Like I'm not this model. Yeah. So I, uh, once I started racing again, I really faced some backlash. They were like, who's this Insta model pretending to be a dr- race car driver? Like, who is she thinks, who does she think she is? Like, this blonde girl, like, bimbo. Is that just and, like and, the typical internet trolls or were you actually yeah, getting like headlines was, like that? No, that was just trolls. It was, okay. but yeah. just, it hurt because I, it just sucked. I had been wanting to race for so long again that I was finally able to get, get the opportunity and people were just trolling me. I'm like, I swear I've raced since I was 11. I'm not a poser and it doesn't matter. Like anyone can get into racing. Yeah. So, I mean, I was grateful to build my platform in college and I I was able to transition that now to what it is in in racing. And a lot of fans have been super supportive, which I appreciate that a lot. Awesome. And so were you, did did you monetize that pre going back into racing or did that help you get back into racing? The money you get from Instagram, just because it's so expensive. Like the series I run now is, is even way like I, if you can, you can go into my series with a million dollars and be able to spend it all on testing on races. Yeah. So like to the money I would get from brand deals on Instagram at the time in college was pennies for what you needed. Um, yeah. but I think the va- most valuable thing was just the connections I built through going to events due to my social media and just networking. Like I worked with, uh, this company called Clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, it was not the app, but it was this oh. content house. Um, yeah. so I was able to work with a content house back when that in 2020, that was like the yeah. thing, you know, and <laughs> I met some great people. My current manager was the president of clubhouse media group, and they were able to sponsor me in touring cars last year in 2021. So I think oh. just like social media has always been played into my racing, which has been nice. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, these days, most successful people in the world are coming off of social media. So it's, yeah, it's crazy. It, it helps. Um, all right. So you, when did you graduate from college? When did you get a finish 2018 okay and did you go right back into racing or 2019 i graduated and um i raced a sports car series called celine cup i did Uh a couple races there um october of 2019 so that was my first um i was like okay cool i'm back into racing and i got an offer to run gt4 for 2020 Uh and then that's so i raced end of 2019 which i was so happy to be back and then 2020 hit Everything stopped. My sponsor fell through for 2020 because of COVID. So yeah. I, again, was stuck in the situation where I wasn't racing. And I was like, oh, my God, I finally just got racing again. And now I'm out of the seat again. 
So uh, I started racing again in 2021 last year. And what did you do? Because obviously none of us, oh, was a, I guess everyone thought it was going to be a two-week thing with COVID and it lasted a little longer. <laughs> but uh, what what did you do during 2020? Like, were you practicing? Were you just continuing to grind? No, I, I didn't have the budget to practice or anything. I was just trying to network, trying to reach out to potential sponsors to figure it out for 2021. Because, yeah, I don't know. I was training. I was doing that. But I really didn't know, again, if I would race again. It was really a weird period in my life. And I was actually studying for my real estate license because that's something I'd always loved. If I wasn't in racing, I'd probably be in real estate. So then I then I realized I was like, no, I need to be putting all my energy into doing my passion. And so I didn't I stopped with the real estate. I really put all my passion into continuing to build my social media brand. And hopefully that would help secure sponsorship which it did that's when clubhouse happened and they were able to sponsor me for 2021 so got it, it so post college awesome and you keep talking about how much it is because i and i have some anecdotes but like what is it an hour to to practice in an indie car i've heard some numbers but well, in my car it's called it's like it, it was called indie pro 2000 last year now it's yeah. usf pro 2000 to run for a day is 12,000 and you're running yeah. for like a four hours yeah so three so grand an hour, give or take. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and then w- when you do 20 days of that, which is what everyone else is doing. So you need to do that because there's limited yeah. days. You can do the math. It costs, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's just practice. That's not even race expenses. Like, right. So it costs a lot. No, it's a super important. But it gets, so you got the sponsor in 2021. We're able to get back into it. How'd it go last year? It went well. I raced in touring cars. Oh my gosh. My voice is gone from... I was just in Formula One. Yeah, so. Formula One often. <laughs> I think that you get the excuse. <laughs> talk over the loud cars and it's just like, yeah, it went well. I, I uh, race to, oh, there's my doorbell. There you go. <laughs> so I think my Postmates is here. I'm just going to let them leave it Beautiful. at the door. <laughs> but yeah, it went well. We um, finished top six a couple times, which was really nice. good at the time for that. Yeah. We consistently placed top tens and that was, that was really good to, for my rookie year. And, yeah. That was in Honda Civic Type R, which is more, yeah. it's called touring cars. And it was uh, front wheel drive. So there was a lot of understeer and it was a full manual. So it was just a car I was completely not used to. I was used to open wheel driving. And yeah. then I got the opportunity to race open wheel professionally this year. So I was like, yes, yeah. let me, I'm leaving touring cars. I want to go to open wheel. Nice. Indy car has always been the goal. So this is the best way to get there. Yeah. So you're doing open wheel now. How Have you started racing yet or this year? Or? Oh yeah. The season's yeah. over. Um, okay. It started in March. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah. It started in March. I had to miss a few races. I did a partial season uh, due to sponsorship. Mm-hmm. But my first race, I placed eighth out of 16, which was really good because these are the yep. best. This, just to be in the series I'm in was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm racing in this series. Like These are some really, really tough, tough drivers. They're really good. And so to place top 10, and I, it was like a win to me this year. Yep. And I was able to do multiple top 10s this season. And yeah, it went well. I mean, of course, said, I are won- you the only female in this? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Thanks. And so <laughs> I, every race I struggle physically, I have to overcome that battle. And so I, I think the offseason training, the season's over now. So I'm now working hard for next year, which starts in March again. And I'm racing the same series. So I'm hoping to compete for wins now that I'm, you know, I've done a year. And what do the sponsors look like in that series? Like how, because again, this is such a big part of racing. That I don't think people realize because as you just said, you want to practice 20 times, it's $250,000. Yeah. What, what type <laughs> of brands get into this so series? For younger, for these junior series, a lot of the times the drivers come from wealthy families or they're like mm-hmm. private companies that their parents own or like, 
there's certain like energy drink brands. Like I work with an energy drink called C4 Energy yeah. and they've been, they've been so awesome. So I've been, they were my primary for this year and Amazing. next year they will be as well. And they've been really cool and supportive and it's been great. But yeah, a lot of it's private funding. I would say most of it is, you uh-huh. know, so that's why it's, everyone's like, Oh, racing such a rich man's sport, which it is, you know, yeah. so a lot of I've struggled because my family obviously like we're comfortable, but they never, Compared yeah. to these families, they're throwing having, millions of dollars at their throwing millions of dollars away all the every year, and so we, I needed sponsorship, and they, a lot of these kids don't. And which that's is, like, the prize money, the money that you get from this doesn't really, it doesn't make up for it. Like sponsors putting their ad, yeah. like getting to the top level and getting sponsors is really where the money's made. Yeah, and the sponsors the appreciate the marketing. It's not mm-hmm. like there's tons of money in winning a race. Exactly. There's not that much money winning. There's good money if you win the championship. That's super hard in this series. Um, yeah. yeah. So you get a good amount from that, which is good. That's ultimately the goal. But for all the other drivers, you have to just try to get sponsorship or to work your way up. Got it. And do you mm-hmm. continue to build out the influencer side? And is that helping with the sponsor side at all? Is that? I think why I have sponsorship because it. it's a double edged sword being a woman. I obviously, I don't get taken as seriously, especially being like blonde, fake nails, Instagram influencer girl. Sometimes people don't take me as seriously in the racing world. But again, it's, this is how I'm able to race. So if I'm making yeah. a TikTok at the racetrack, you guys can judge me all you want, but this is how I'm sitting in the car and being able to race and doing what I love. So it definitely plays into it. And everybody's going to have it. Everybody wants to hate, but it's like most of those people are not. You're hating on me while I'm going to drive this badass race car. So And again, I don't want to harp on it too much because I hate to give it too much credence, but at the same time, you're literally the only woman in your league and you're placing in the top 10. Like, again, for those that don't know, it's a very physical sport. So the fact that you've achieved all that, like, yeah, your TikTok's able to help you get there. Like, that's awesome. Like, you're doing what it takes to get there and nothing wrong with that. So what's next? I know you're going to be racing again but is that what's the goal do you want to get into f1 is that i, you know, I mean of course f1 yeah. is the pinnacle of racing so i think any driver would want to get into formula one but yeah. you need a certain amount of super license points you need to be racing over in europe for that uh right now my sights are currently set on indycar and racing uh-huh. the indy 500 that's something i've always dreamed to do so i'm gonna keep right now i'm in a indycar feeder series so i'm gonna keep working my way up i'm hoping to do indy lights by 2024 and then fingers crossed hopefully indycar by 2025 that would be Goal. That's amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, right. I was just saying that right now I'm just training, traveling, doing what I love for uh, during the off season and working towards next year. And does it help to, uh, other than just because you love it, does it help to go to some of the F1 races? Like, do you end up with their connections? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Everything's always networking. All, everything, I mean, that's just business in general. You go to certain events, meet new people. They know a sponsor that wants to help you raise. Like, it's just always good to be seen at those places to help network yourself and continue to build your brand i guess yeah makes sense <laughs> and i um, love watching when i'm such a fan too so I'm yeah like, no and it's such a fun <laughs> event i mean you know, now it's super popular i mean the the uh yeah. netflix show brought such a new audience yeah. to it but my, my yeah. wife and i just I mean, we talked about before this like we ended up going in 2017 we had friends in monaco that invited us out like, that's yes, a cool event i've always it's, yeah. yeah it's just something just not there's nothing else like it. it's so much fun it's always during the indy 500 so it's so that's yeah. why i haven't gone because Same i'm like exact weekend 
I want to race in the Indy 500. This is my world, so I need to be here, you know. And I race on the Friday of the Monaco Grand Prix, so I might this year, because I've been to the Indy 500 so so many times, I might do my race on Friday night, take a red eye, go to Monaco this next year. We'll see if I do, but yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Sunday's the big day. You can can make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually tired of it. Yeah. So last question for you. Uh, What would be a piece of advice you'd give to someone that wants to pursue their dreams? Like, what's something you either learned or you wish you were told or something along the way or you were told that helped you get to where you are and not even just in racing but any dream you have it's important to actually just never give up as cliche as that sounds do not give up there's been times where i've thought i'm done racing several times i thought i've done racing i'm done racing and there's people that brought me down whether it be the fact i'm a woman the fact i'm an influencer the fact like the list goes on and on there's always people that try to bring you down but don't listen to them. You have to keep pushing it no matter what. And you will eventually get there. I know it's so corny, but if you can actually put your, do whatever you want to do, if you put your mind to it, which is, I think, you know, you can overcome anything. Totally. Amazing <laughs> advice. It's true. So true. You know? So true. Yeah. No, I, I've learned a lot. I've learned the same thing where it's like failure comes when you give up. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, it can get really yeah. hard, but you don't fail until it's done. Yeah. You, you never fail. You just, you know, every failure is a lesson yeah. and you use that to push forward. And I think, yeah, that's always been something super important. And I hope we can get more women in the sport and women in general yeah. in business. And don't be afraid if it's a male dominated sport, you can push through it and the amount of times I've people underestimate me and I prove them wrong. It's just, it makes me laugh every time. You can always do it. No, and it's great advice. I have a two month old daughter that I have already started saying that to, even though she does not understand what I'm saying. I'm like, you're better than everyone. You're good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Hawk Talk. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Hawk Talk. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think this podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.